Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving, and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's September 18th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Flexport CEO Dave Clark forced out as company releases an update. Shopify CFO chat at Goldman Sachs event. The Clavio and Instacart IPO valuation. Amazon releases supply chain by Amazon. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. We have a new feature at the end of the podcast today called The Final Word. So I thought I would introduce that here. It will be the last segment before I sign off, so be sure to listen until the end and catch it. But first in our shopping cart full of news, Flexport CEO Dave Clark forced out as company releases an update. Last week, former Amazon logistics leader Dave Clark, CEO of Flexport, abruptly announced his departure from Flexport after one year of being in the CEO's seat. What has ensued is a one-sided Twitter flame war waged by Ryan Peterson to save his reputation in a way that is completely unnecessary and just makes the entire company seem more desperate. Look, Dave Clark and Flexport were never a fit. A virtual logistics business meets a logistics infrastructure builder. Flexport's new direction, freight, or may I say old direction, is actually a commodity. And in no way is a future Flexport going to justify anything near its valuation. In the middle of his ongoing flame war against Dave Clark, Ryan Peterson backtracked and praised Dave Clark's team for the new SMB logistics release, Flexport Calls Revolution. Let's talk about that now. My summary is this release is neither logistics nor a revolution. The dim view of this release is that it's just a lead gen tool for Flexport capital. The Flexport's motto might be, If you can't pay your bills on your Flexport loan, have fun getting your goods held at the port. Here's what Flexport said in the release. There's a set of 20 plus supply chain tools on a single page, which you can access at no cost. Our membership program called Flexport Plus allows access to financing. And with it, you get access to a community. Here's what it means. The free tier is only there to collect email addresses with the hope of upselling these people into taking Flexport loans. I learned long ago in my career that if you have a free tool, then either you are the product itself, as in Facebook, or you're in someone else's lead gen flow for something more valuable. Access at low cost means you can log in at no cost. Congrats on that. The release itself is not even thinly veiled BS. It's out in the open running around. You can log into a portal for free. That's something. But there's only like a million portals out there. A community? Well, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Flexport raised a billion dollars and all I got to show for it are a loan program and a message board? Here's what's likely to happen. A Flexport Plus membership program to access financing? What is my collateral for then? Do other lenders work like this? 
Given that they are cutting the actual staff who ordered this build, it seems likely that the innovation will slow down on this end-to-end project, even if it stays around. Finally, if you're like Shopify and own 20% of this, well, basically, this is another way to have an investment in a capital lending provider, which is, I guess, is all upside for you. And while you did put your capital in here, the other 80% came from somebody else. Think Shopify won't be pushing these people into Plus and Shopify Capital? Could be worse, I guess. Every time Flexport services are described in the release, financing is the lead. As in, at Flexport, we do financing, item A, and then item B. This tells you a lot about their priorities just by itself. Let's do an analogy for a moment. Returnly was to returns as Flexport is to global logistics. Neither are about exactly what they seem. Returnly never touched a box, and Flexport never touches a container. And by the way, gangster move of Amazon stepping on the Flexport release by announcing supply chain by Amazon on the exact same day. We'll talk about this at the end of the show. I will give Ryan Peterson one thing. If this is what Dave Clark built, maybe he is making the right move after all. However, if this release was a subtle way of throwing Dave under the bus, maybe the joke's on Flexport's customers. Our second story. Shopify CFO chat at Goldman Sachs event. Jeff Hoffmeister, CFO of Shopify, spoke with an analyst last week at Goldman Sachs Communicopia and Technology Conference event, and I pulled a few interesting things out of the transcript, though I still have no real idea what a Communicopia is. First, in logistics, Flexport continues to be a solid partner of Shopify, at least for the moment, and preferred solution for Shop Promise. That said, Shopify still wants to allow merchants to use Buy With Prime if this option is better for them, as long as all the data flows into the Shopify admin. It will be an interesting test to see if merchants think consumers will trust a generic Shop Promise badge more than the Prime badge, or is it more of a, people will have both. Since both programs, Shop Promise and the new Buy With Prime integration, have not yet launched formally within the new partnership, it remains to be seen what the best strategy is. Shopify's CFO also obliquely referenced the quote-unquote differences, that's to put it mildly, between Ryan Peterson and Dave Clark, indicating perhaps that some interesting stuff went down here. Shopify POS continues to gain momentum, particularly due to the fact that Shopify signed a partnership with QuickBooks after QuickBooks POS was discontinued. I don't know how it's possible I missed a piece of significant Shopify news from April. It seems that my friend Jordan Brannon from Coalition Technologies missed it too. I guess it's official. Maybe Shopify is too big for me to cover. In any event, the QuickBooks partnership is fantastic for Shopify POS in much the same way that Shopify was helped by taking Amazon Web Store customers when Amazon shut that product down. The partnership gives Shopify access to different stream of customers than traditional Shopify merchants. Shout out to Cindy Chan on the partnerships team at Shopify. Is she a Watsonian? Inquiring minds want to know. If she's listening to this, you know, for putting together this partnership. Third, regarding the enterprise market, Shopify is approaching it from three angles. First is Shopify Plus. Some enterprises really don't need what traditional enterprise software is all about. Their businesses don't demand that, and Plus is for them. Next is Hydrogen and Oxygen, which are both tools from Shopify. Essentially, this is pulling from the front end off of Shopify, i.e. headless, using Shopify's hosting and JavaScript React-based front end technology. 
And finally, commerce components by Shopify, what they call CCS. Shopify CFO didn't go into this too much, but right now I find that CCS is primarily about two things. One is Shop Pay Accelerated Checkout. This acts like a way to identify if a buyer is in the Shop Pay network to cut out steps in a checkout, even if it's not on the Shopify checkout. Think about it like Shopify's version of PayPal. The other part is what they call Shop Checkout, which is the full fledged customizable checkout, which then flows into the Shopify back office or your own systems. I would expect that hydrogen and oxygen are in the mix here for CCS as well, so there can be overlap between all these approaches. Our third story, the Clavio and Instacart IPO valuation. Within the last week, both Clavio and Instacart released how many shares they'll be issuing in their IPO and the expected pricing range and valuation. Let's start with Clavio. SaaS companies have another reason to get to profitability as if they needed one, i.e. looking more like Clavio. Clavio's revenue, if you take out their pricing changes, are on the 40% range from a growth point of view. Its annual recurring revenue, or ARR, is $585 million, and the company has turned the corner on profitability in the last year. The big question everyone had was, what would the valuation multiple be? Well, we just learned. The company is looking to get a $6.8 billion valuation, which would put it near 13 times ARR. Woo! SaaS founders can be excused for taking a huge sigh of relief. In the past, 10 times ARR was a solid multiple for a company that is growing but not experiencing hyper growth. Slower growth got two to five times ARR often, and at least in the public markets. During the pandemic, SaaS multiples skyrocketed as investors poured money in. During this time, it wasn't uncommon to see 20 times plus multiples. The last six to nine months have been a bloodbath in software as a service. I've seen growing, profitable companies only get two to three times ARR. I'm not kidding. Hopefully, we can close the book on that, right? Bueller. Bueller. For investors, 13 times ARR is a solid number, particularly as there haven't been a large number of profitable e-commerce SaaS software companies like ever. The fact that Clavio is setting a public benchmark and hopefully continues to be profitable will have a few benefits and lessons for the industry. First, it will set a trend that resonates with VCs. Venture capitalists now have a public comparable to beat. Second, it will set a trend that resonates with founders and encourage good behavior. But they should have long-term operating metric targets and an understanding of how to get there, not just hopes and dreams. As a note of caution, though, founders shouldn't overreact to this message. Clavio was founded in 2012, and I bet might still not be profitable if we hadn't experienced the more difficult economic times. And there's no way the company reaches this IPO if Clavio had tried to be profitable from day one. SaaS just doesn't tend to work that way because of the sales, marketing, and technology investments required. In any event, we can celebrate a momentary return to sanity. Regardless of what you think, Clavio is the new SaaS North Star for the e-commerce independent software vendors out there. Let's talk about Instacart for a moment. It looks to me like Instacart is setting a relatively conservative range for its IPO, despite its previous ridiculous valuation of $39 billion. But what I want to do in this segment is compare Instacart to DoorDash. Let's assume that DoorDash is on a $9 billion revenue run rate and currently has a market cap of $32 billion. 
that would give it a 3.5 times revenue multiple, which would value it as a growth stock. If you assume that Instacart in 2023 is on a $3.5 billion revenue run rate, then at the same revenue multiple, it would be valued at around $12 billion. Since 12 is more than the $9 billion they're targeting, I'm seeing this as a conservative by the bankers taking this public, which is kind of all the bankers are. I'm assuming the caution reflects the overall cautious situation in the market and Wall Street not wanting to get ahead of itself in one of the only tech IPOs in the last two years. This all looks fine unless you see that DoorDash has about 50% gross margins and decreasing and Instacart has about 70% gross margins and increasing. DoorDash also doesn't have the advertising machine of Instacart. This is a huge difference between the two firms. And this kind of leads to the question for Instacart, why such a low valuation? I do think the answer is still, you do this when Wall Street wants a guaranteed win. The valuation could always find its true market value later on as it grows. And our last story, Amazon releases supply chain by Amazon. Last week, Amazon announced its supply chain by Amazon offering literally on the same day that Flexport announced its offering. Supply chain by Amazon, or SCA, is a mix of old and new. The scope of the release is end-to-end from manufacturing to customers. Let's be clear. This is more about the ultimate go-to-market manifestation of Amazon's global logistics ambitions. In other words, Amazon Web Services meets logistics. SCA addresses the holy trinity of logistics, which are all critically important priorities for all brands. First, keep products in stock. Second, ship faster and more reliably. And third, significantly lower costs. Kudos to Amazon for crystallizing this, especially at this moment. The message is pitch perfect in sync with what I'm hearing from my own clients. Here are the capabilities that Amazon mentioned. First mile pickup from manufacturing, cross-border shipping and customs clearance, warehouse bulk inventory, automatic replenishment to Amazon plus retail channels, a new preferred carrier partner program or PCP for domestic goods bound for AWD with 25% discounts. Amazon multi-channel distribution moves products in bulk from AWD or their bulk storage product to fill and replenish inventory to any sales channel. That product is in pilot now and will launch later on. I've called out a few of the acronyms that I've seen Amazon use for these services in the past. Other benefits mentioned include discounts of 25% for all transportation bound for AWD, either domestically or internationally. AWD removes peak pricing in Q4, And the pricing model changes if you commit to longer-term storage for even lower rates. It kind of sounds like AWS storage pricing to me, which is not an accident. This pricing was actually completely inevitable. Some thoughts on this. First, the discounts for freight and parcels bound for Amazon facilities is a nice touch and reinforces the value of the network. Second, it's hard not to be impressed with the scale of these capabilities, especially the fact that this is less about hey, we're going to build something new from scratch and just trust us and wait for it. And more about like, we already have all this stuff, but we've finally actually figured out how we're going to make go to market consistently with this. Of course, there is a potential bear case here and let's outline that for a moment. First, brands would be silly to trust Amazon to run their primary logistics rails for the non-Amazon channels. 
The second bear argument could be that Amazon doesn't get the needs of brands since Amazon has always been about low-cost brown boxes and you can't customize the offering enough to be the primary logistics rails for brands. Is a one-size-fits-all Amazon solution actually a fit for growing brands that need to customize their packaging and service levels? A third bear argument is that Amazon's overhead is such that it's not able to pass along significant enough discounts to merchants. After all, the AWS model relies on Moore's Law, which is not present in logistics unless you sort of consider the robotic component. Fourth, many of the real operators for Amazon have left the building, meaning Amazon can't quite innovate like maybe it used to in a market where merchants have options. And finally, let's talk about the real elephant in the room. Trust. When people ask me, will brands trust Amazon? My answer is yes, kind of with time. Look at it this way. So many people trust AWS, and it's not a stretch to think that many growing SMB and mid-market brands could trust Amazon because it's replicating this level of scale and reliability may be nearly impossible otherwise. This is especially true if Amazon continues to lower costs and continue the service and improve it like it's historically done with something like AWS. And you know the guy who did that? Oh yeah, him, Andy Jassy. So he kind of knows the model. And the infrastructure is already in place. So yeah, this could probably work if Amazon can nail the go-to-market model. Hey, Watsonians. Did you know that AI could potentially enable discovery of product and services? If you're in our online community, you would. To stay on top of what's going on in e-commerce and join the conversation, visit community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform neared the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve customers. By switching to Commerce Tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out new features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, Thorn Health Tech was acquired by L. Catterton. PE firm L. Catterton acquired the company for about $10 per share or a total value of $680 million. Thorn Health Tech will delist in Q4 2023, depending on the transaction closing time. The company likely will receive investment and be optimized by its new owners in 2024. Second, Enterprise Insights platform ConverseSight raised a $9 million Series A. The company uses generative AI to automate and enhance enterprise analytics enabling actionable insights through conversational interaction. Well, that's a lot of buzzwords. Third, cross-border wholesale marketplace Marcado raised a $5 million seed round. The Hong Kong-based Marcado focuses on assisting independent brands entering Asia. Sourcing quality products is complex. This platform connects premium non-Asian independents with trusted local retailers and buyers. Fourth, ELF Beauty acquired Mastige skincare brand Naturium for $355 million of cash and stock. 
The acquisition highlights a current trend in the cosmetics sector as incumbents are making bets by acquiring fast-growing startups to grow market share. If you're wondering what the word mastige is, so am I. I'm not even cool enough to look up mastige in Urban Dictionary for fear of what I might find. Fifth, Amazon acquired Fig, a startup building developer tools for the command line for an undisclosed amount. Amazon, through its subsidiary Amazon Web Services, emphasizes the importance of generative AI and empowering developers to accelerate the adoption of the technology for AWS. Well, this week, we have actually a special treat for you because I'm introducing a new segment of the program, today's final word of the week. And today's final word of the week of September 18th is drama. Who knew the e-commerce world could be the same as a telenovela? Which executive is a bigger jerk to their employees? Which founder was asleep at the switch? Who pre-fired employees in the nicest way possible? Honestly, can we just shut the hell up about how excellent we are all and get back to work building software and services? Leave the commentary to the idiots like me. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez. Production manager, Gabriela Montequin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.